Welcome to Team Rabbit Hole Edition 217 with David Haskin, Luminous Flux, Artist, Mystic, Aesthete, Aries. Join the team as we get to know David, an amazing fine artist who had has had galleries even in Paris. He's in Colorado right now and we will go down the rabbit hole about value, creativity and perceptions of reality. Well met. How's it going, David? Oh, what a what a special time to be here with you guys. Um, I'm sure we'll get into it. And uh, I'm really just grateful to be here and see where this uh, discussion goes today. Thanks for having me. Most definitely. So something we do at the beginning of these episodes is correspond the episode, which in this case is 217, which reduces to um, one, ultimately, I'm realizing. I was going to say 10, but one, which is... Da -da -da -da, the Magician card. Uh, in this deck, it's called the Starman. It's the David Bowie Starman Tarot. Uh, David DeAngelis, he's been on the podcast a few times. Um, I'm using his deck. But anyway, the Starman, it says, I will blow your mind. The Starman or the Alchemist slash the Magician, the traditional right away, is about manifesting your reality. Ideas are communicated and brought into the physical world with ease. You have everything you need to create the world you desire. And then reconfiguring yourself in liberating, expressive, and complex ways. Raphael, what card do you have? It is number 31, the angel of intellectual talent belonging to the Dominions. This angel protects people who work with agriculture and is invoked to get ideas in resolution of the toughest problems. It is Dia's doctor, which means God, the teacher in association with the tarot card, the Eight of Pentacles, and the affirmation goes, I am, what I am learning is to take care of myself and my own needs. Qualities involving the talent for solving life's enigmas, love of exactitude and precision, and emotional mastery through reason, as well as luminous ideas generating abundance. So, Mr. Heskin, I'm kind of curious uh, between those two cards if anything resonated for you. Um, not anything, everything, the whole thing. This is uh, a time of, of absolute serendipity, and uh, I think we'll get into that a little bit. As you know, I've been tracking synchronicity quite a bit, and everything you just said is, is just lighting me up. So I'm, I'm excited to follow these threads. Um, absolutely the one and the alchemist the magician it's just i'm sitting here basically laughing at the at the synchronicity of both you can't make this shit up right you you know truth is stranger than fiction you really just couldn't and it's also funny i was looking at your chart you have a ninth house which is the sagittarius the teacher um flavored airy sun um so i do think that you kind of get how to dispensate uh the awakening of your own spirit through kind of artistic mediums um, I've been, I think I stumbled upon your art a few years ago, probably in some, you know, weird occult Facebook group or something weird like that. Um, maybe even like burning, burn, like burning man type people stuff. Um, and I've started following you and I really, I'm in Colorado. I've been here for almost, well shit, since about uh, the beginning of 2012. So almost not, uh, 10 years, but, um, with a gap or two, like a year in Switzerland and stuff like that. But the point is, um, you're in Colorado, and I thought that was crazy. 
And I think I became aware of your art when I was starting to use psychedelics more regularly. Um, myself being an art history dropout, I just very much I love oil painting. I love sculpture. I love all sorts of art. Obviously, I mean, just I love art in general, aesthetics. Um, but you had this way about what you were doing that was very uh, not only very discreet and very um, deep and rich, but also kind of not you know it wasn't typical. It it felt like you were kind of trying to push the envelope on what you were capable of and uh, maybe what you know you expected out of yourself even so um we haven't ever really talked before this should be a pleasure i think you're kind of a magi and not surprising the magician cards coming up so i guess uh in as long-winded or short-winded of a way as you want to kind of you know jump into the pool it doesn't have to be call me ishmael lengths or anything but um it seems you grew up in colorado uh kind of tell me how you got into art Maybe the culture you were a part of when you started turning on to maybe psychedelics, magic, the occult, um, and your journey and to getting to the place where you are now. Well, thank you very much, and thanks for uh, doing your homework and and really researching. You know, everything you're saying is really on point, and I'm 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 grateful to be seen. I'm grateful to be witnessed. It's a big part of all of this, and uh, you know, it's a magical thing when someone can tell that you're pushing yourself and that you're trying to do something very authentic and. Uh, very personally uh, meaningful. Um, as you said, um, my hometown is Fort Collins, Colorado, where you are, so we'll have to hang out at some point. I'm not there right now. I'm actually I'm a little bit. I'm not in Fort Collins. I, I grew weed okay. there up at Horsetooth Reservoir for a few years, but um, I'm up in Buena Vista, way up in the highlands now, near Salida, more. Uh, that's, that's right. Um, well, there's a lot of crossover, and we'll definitely explore that. Uh, I guess, I guess the thing... <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. I think we'll probably have a good deal of that because there's so much to jump in on. So don't don't hesitate. Uh, basically, I, I, I grew up in Fort Collins and I was always an artist. That was never a question. I was really fortunate enough um, to have discovered uh, psychedelics and oil painting basically at about the same time. Uh, my grandmother gave me my first set of oil paints and it was sort of the first paint that I had, although I was already an artist at that time. I had a little run-in with the law uh, relative to some uh, psychedelic journeys that I, I'd had, and it was uh, an opportune time to pivot into full-throttle art production at age 15. Um, I didn't have any of the stigmas that a lot of people end up with around oil painting being sort of a challenging medium. I just dove right in and, and had a lot of things to express with that immediately. Uh, so I guess it's been almost 27 years now of oil painting, and um, much like yourself, it's 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 not been through schooling and it's not been through traditional means. It's been very much self-defined practice, very much um, internal and uh, non-academic in a way. So I don't necessarily feel like, uh, you know, it's a specifically accomplished in, uh, legacy in the way that most people uh, might look at it. Um, I've, I haven't gone down one specific path with painting. I've gone down every path I could find. And to me, that's been much more interesting than attempting to do one thing over and over and over forever. I'm really interested in being a polymath, and I'm really interested in polymath culture, aligning with groups of people, aligning with individuals who are also pushing themselves into multiple arenas. So um, I guess most recently, uh, well, after after many years of painting, I ended up living on the West Coast and being part of the visionary art, uh, sort of a fledgling visionary art circuit in 2003, where a lot of us were converging uh, for the first time, a lot of uh, big name artists were were coming out of the woodwork and recognizing some recognizing some of the younger audience, and I was uh, really fortunate enough to be part of that part of that crowd. Um, like you said, I was really attempting to push the envelope. I I always felt like painting on rectangles sort of didn't embody 
what uh, the concept of visionary meant to me. We always talk about getting outside of the box, and yet we were always painting in boxes. So I really took it upon myself to create canvases that were first geometric, different shapes, um, to try to express something a little more like what the visionary experience was giving me. And then eventually that turned into what I would call impossible shapes, things that you normally couldn't do without a bit of canvas surgery. And that eventually emerged into three-dimensional canvases and all kinds of unlikely uh, expressions of art. And I guess uh, I'm grateful that you could kind of follow that uh, that trajectory. A lot of people expect you to do the same thing over and over. And, uh, you know, perhaps it hasn't been the most uh, well-planned in terms of trying to build a name or make a recognizable uh, image. But to me, that's not what art has been for. It's about personal explore, exploration uh, to the point where art itself is uh, a mind-bending uh, journey. If you know exactly where the journey is going to go, is it even a journey? I've asked myself a lot. So just having a conversation about this today with a friend in the UK, and uh, there's something about the mystery of creating artwork that really wraps us in it if we, if we have to be in that state of wonder. Um, in the last few years, uh, after well, I left Seattle uh, in the early 2000s and got married to Eloria Weaver, and we basically spent a good portion of the next um, eight or 10 years uh, traveling and teaching in Europe. At that point, we've been painting long enough to have a whole host of adult students, a lot of younger visionaries who are very accomplished, and I'm really impressed to see what their work is doing these days. I actually feel like uh, passing the torch on to them to to keep this visionary lineage alive is is really exciting, and I can move on to explore some other things. Um, but Alori and I spent about a quarter of our married life uh, for the last 10 years in Europe, teaching and traveling, Australia, Indonesia, and uh, getting around the world, and it's always been art. Uh, we have a joke that's sort of like you throw your painting, and it can go to somewhere exotic that you couldn't go, but you just hang on and go with it. Uh, so that's really just been a blessed life of making art around the world, meeting all kinds of fantastic people and uh, living in, in a synchronistic manner, basically that you couldn't have planned, you know, you couldn't have planned it uh, any better. So uh, the, the most recent kind of large, uh, large life events that have happened is that Laurie and I both got into a very tiny school for our master's degrees in 2018 in London and finished those just as the pandemic was hitting. Uh, so that was sort of a life goal. We never had an undergrad degree. Um, like you said, you're an art school dropout. I just never went. Uh, I felt like it was more about the territory than about the history. So I will be not anyone that's going to be good with uh, dates and names other than knowing what I like and what's moved me in my life. But the school we went to was called the Prince's Foundation School of Traditional Arts. Uh, kind of the opposite of visionary in a way, although the school is very aligned with sacred art traditions. It just happens to be a lot more aligned with, uh, you find in religious traditions, in a sense, architectural crafts, uh, temple interiors, manuscript illumination, and this kind of thing, keeping these traditions alive in a world that's sort of bypassed them. And so that's added to the polymath idea a great deal. Instead of just painting in a number of lineages like egg tempera and mixed technique, uh, mish technique painting and oil painting, uh, we now also do uh, like Moorish ceramics, encaustic tiles, like I said, manuscript illumination, calligraphy, parquetry, Indian and Persian miniature painting, and a, a Russian icon painting, and a whole host of other intriguing art forms. And I think it just uh, broadens the view of what art is and what it can be. And so uh, 
that's really kind of what I'm exploring now. Uh, in coming back from London in the last year, um, we were fortunate enough to acquire a piece of property on the western slope of Colorado in Paonia, 35 acres of raw land, with nothing on it but animals and a creek at this point, where we hope to establish a, an art sanctuary where people can come and reconnect to nature, to the mountains, the pristine land there, and uh, go deep with themselves and have, uh, develop their arts practice um, in whatever way they feel called to. So that's a fledgling uh, project now that we've had planned for many years, but now is coming to fruition. And uh, I'm going to go back out there in a month to plant 500 trees on the land and you know, get our hands dirty. So that kind of brings us up to the to the present in terms of the nuts and bolts. As your name uh, rang a bell, I looked it up and I was correct. Would you like to share anything about your experience in regards to the Vienna Academy of Visionary Art? I ask both due to, in a sense, former physical proximity and personal interest. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, absolutely. Aloria and I, um, we were fortunate enough to be asked by asked by the founder Lawrence Caruana of the Visionary uh, Academy, the Vienna Academy of Visionary Art, to be the first teachers there, along with Lawrence in 2013. And uh, it was sort of like getting jumped into uh, to our teaching career without really knowing quite what we were in for. And we went and taught for three months in 2013, uh, which was just mind blowingly fantastic to sort of learn on the fly and figure out. Uh, exactly what it was to take people on the journey that we were on. We ended up coming back in 2015 to teach the uh, summer seminar in Italy, uh, by which time we were producing our own organic oil painting mediums and got to share that with our students for the first time. And then again, we got to teach in uh, 2016 in Vienna, which was the sort of bookended uh, their first location. We were the first teachers in the first location in the Palais Palfi and the final teachers there. So it really felt like and opening and closing a, a sacred ritual in a way. And the academy went on to a new space and uh, had has had a number of uh, amazing illuminated instructors come teach there. So we feel really lucky to be part of that and to have been part of that. And I guess what really, uh, what really inspires me in terms of uh, visionary art, at least these days, is metaphysical orientation to technique. And I know that I'm kind of a nerd this way I'm kind of very much a materials geek, but I feel like there is, um, it's not just for the sake of, of understanding your skills and understanding your tools, but it's really understanding the symbology behind them to where the act of painting is not about so much rendering something in a vision you had at a different time, but it's about connecting to your materials, your tools and your process in a way that brings you into more of a vision quest while you're painting. So that's recently evolved, um, sort of an outgrowth of, of what I consider to be visionary technique into what will be a new class that we're releasing um, in April, an online class called uh, Technical Metaphysics of Oil Painting. And it's really just uh, kind of invoking a Gnostic experience through understanding just how magical it is to be wielding these tools. Some of the, some of the stone dusts or the pigments we use takes millions and millions of years to form in the earth. What a gift that we're able to wield this. We think we go to the art supply store just to buy a tube of paint and it's just some red or some white or a different color. But when I look at a tube of paint or I look at some pigment, I see uh, planets in collision. I see stardust. I see all manner of celestial phenomena. phenomena and I can really um, 
when I'm in a, in a heightened state in that sort of mage-like wonder, uh, really wield these tools uh, and watch my consciousness just soaring. It doesn't even really matter what I'm painting. It's not about representing something other than the moment. It's about creating an artifact of that state of being. So that's, in a way, what I hoped to bring to my students in Vienna, and definitely much more what I'm, what I'm bringing to them these days. That's what's up. Raphael's in Vienna, so that's kind of why he was kind of like, oh, what's up with that? So you guys have inadvertently crossed paths. It seems like we've cross-pollinated, like, you know, peripherally. Both of, you know, you were been both on a, both of our trajectories. I've been in Colorado and doing stuff, and obviously you've been in Europe. Um, so I'm looking at your chart. You have a north node, which is kind of your dharma, if you want to put it that way, in Virgo and second house, like, Taurus-flavored. Um, it doesn't surprise me that, I mean, do consider yourself kind of like a... Uh, you know, a meticulous craftsman who's going to pass on lineages. That seems to be what you're doing. You're, you're showing people value through like, you know, the health of materiality in a word way, whether it's farming and, you know, or not like farming, like with a plow necessarily, but like creating a space where people can go and have a sanctuary, kind of like a, um, an Esalen Institute or whatever um, in the Greeley kind of area or Paonia or wherever you were saying. Um, and then also what you're kind of doing, you're, you're taking very practical things like you're saying with the tube of paint and i'm looking at it in such an illuminated way that uh you're right on track bro uh, for what you should be doing so props um i'm sure it's maybe not always felt that way but uh yeah you don't have to, i mean i i'm not a fine artist myself i can't paint for shit particularly um i'm a musician but i found when i was doing art history stuff it was kind of like huffing secondhand smoke being like oh my god there's cultures doing post and lentils and da vinci and albert durer and oh my gosh like it just kind of inspired me in that way, kind of like maybe watching a TED talk might inspire somebody to do something these days. So I'm not like by any means like, you know, a snob or, or an uh, artist in that sense myself. So I, but I kind of get the zeitgeist of kind of the creative impulse of humans the past whatever couple thousand years via certain mediums. Um, but I didn't get very far in that. Anyway, um, so let me think. Uh, I'm curious, what was the legal situation you had back in the day when you were a kid? Uh, with the psychedelics and all that jazz. I mean, you don't have to go too far into that if you don't want to, but I'm always curious about, you know, the man and uh, finding the others and all that jazz. No, I don't mind at all, um, but I might back up because you, you, you touched on some some interesting things in that last breath, and uh, and we'll come we'll loop back to this. But we won't forget. It's, a, it's an easy one to remember. Um, I really did appreciate the, the agriculture invocation um, of the car that Raphael pulled. Um, it is one of the signatures of Paonia where we're starting this sanctuary is that art and agriculture, particularly organic agriculture and uh, community resilience are really strong. So that's a big part of what's what's pulling us to create a community there. And that relates into what you're talking about of legacy. Um, for me, it, in a tangible way, uh, for many years, I was I was very excited to have studied in three different painting lineages. And after going to school in London, that's just blown out to be more like 17 or just something kind of ludicrous in a way. And rather than being uh, an emissary of one specific lineage, one legacy, um, I feel more like uh, a wild hermit. And that topic, that theme has come up a lot lately. Someone who's, you know, really picked up a lot of wisdom from the wilds and from the, the chance uh, occurrences and meetings of different, different legacies. And if anything, it's passing on uh, more of the seed of inspiration that that we can live life as art. I've been saying there are no mundane moments anymore. There's no longer for me, here's an artful time. Here's where I'm making art. And then there's this other mundane time where it's kind of dealing with all my normal 
daily existence. And I think that is perhaps a signature of the mage that's turning on for me right now that's really up. And the synchronicities, as you know, I've been tracking a bit lately, we can get into. Um, but to answer your question, um, and probably what started this, uh, at least what um, uh, was a poignant point in this journey as a, as a young man, as a, a developing teenager, was uh, I happened to be in high school and came across a, a number of uh, opportunities to share medicine, to share psychedelics with my, my friends. And, uh, you know, it turns out the law isn't as into that as you would think as a teenager. So it sort of derailed me. I was arrested with a third class felony for, for um, being caught with more LSD than, than I really should have, uh, which at the time completely, you know, dismantles and destroys one's life. Uh, but like most things that, that throw you off of one path and onto another, I have nothing but gratitude and uh, feeling so fortunate for the way that my life has turned out as traumatic as certain experiences could be at the time. And like I said, that was my grandmother, uh, basically in response to this, uh, you know, what seemed like a devastating experience. Uh, obviously, she knew I was an artist and showed up with oil paints, said, you need this. This is this is what you need to orient yourself to the world now. And I really never looked back since that point. And there were a few, you know, pivotal uh, experiences at that time that just that just sealed the deal and let me know that, you know, it's probably not really actually been a mundane moment since since then or forever, but uh, like with synchronicity that I've been tracking, and you commented on one of my posts, I, I was asking people recently, uh, you know, is, is, is like the synchronicity channel just completely on for everyone right now? And, and you commented, and I really appreciate this, isn't it always, aren't we always in that? And of course we are, however, can we recognize it? Uh, how, how tuned into that are we? How, how much are we awake in the dream? And that's really what's changing for me is that I'm hyper aware that I'm dreaming all of this and so are we all it's not a it's not a necessarily a my dream and you're a figment of the imagination though I'm open to that too um, but we are in this collective dreaming process and it, it the post I, I put out this question um, about synchronicity to people has probably got more response than most of the art that I've posted in the last five years of people just coming out of the woodwork having these mind-blowingly undeniably uh, earth-shattering uh, awakening experiences basically since from what I can tell since the great conjunction on the solstice it's sort of like what we all thought uh, either 2012 or you know this turning of the Mayan calendar was going to be it really feels like something anchored in this year whether it's this new eon um, whether it's something outside of us or just that it's this you know a celestial moment to turn on uh, it's very clear that that a lot of people are turning on as part of a, a wave of consciousness that's that's really alive and awake right now. So it's very exciting to be a part of that and to be living in art life during it because I think art is such a manifestation tool, uh, whether it's we're manifesting things that we're actually painting and bringing a creation in that way or whether it's just opening ourselves to the imaginal realm through suspension of disbelief while we're in a, in a creative state of mind. And I'm seeing it's the artists, it's the creative people who are, who are thriving right now. We're not in fear-based mode as a lot of the rest of the planet is. We're, I'm enjoying my life. I'm in a higher state of, of bliss and joy than I've been in ever. And uh, what a strange circumstance that is, you know, absolutely mind-blowing. 
props uh, to riding the waves of um, the Dow these days the way you are. It reminds me of McKenna kind of saying the way forward is, you know, the artists are going to save the world, basically. It seems, and he, obviously with his time wave zero and 2012 kind of stuff um, comes up, even with what you were saying. Uh, I do think that the artists, to varying degrees, I mean, even Bitcoin, you could look at it as an art, uh, you know, people trying to hack the system through artistic, you know, programming methodologies or whatever. Um, it seems that we're in this place where uh, we're being called through challenges to be inspired in new ways, um, both archaic revival style, like, you know, tapping into kind of truths that we might have forgotten in the rush towards modernity and postmodernity, but at the same time, like kind of new experiences that maybe no one's ever had before, given the soup mix of, you know, current events and astrological situations and even... Um, my fiance made me wear this. I mean, I'm not sure how aware of the Schumann resonance and stuff you are, but the past day or two has been some of the most high space influx kind of weather we've ever had. And then the Schumann resonance is going off too. Um, I'm not so up to snuff on that, but it seems that behind Earth, like I mean, she was theorizing maybe our solar system is smashing into another solar system or something. I haven't done enough research. Not that there's even an authority on this shit out there really particularly, but um, strange times indeed. And in regards to what you're saying about being in each other's dreams, I think that's one thing that humans maybe knew intuitively, maybe in a metaphorical Garden of Eden sense, we're like dancing with reality in a very kind of Im imbued way, where it's just like we were part of it, you know, kind of how animal life tends to be, you know, even though it's ragged and tough and, you know, claw and bone and tooth and all that stuff, it still like works, and you know, in its own synergistic way. Um, and for whatever reason, we've fallen out of that garden and become self-aware of polarity and you know choice and all that kind of stuff so it's interesting because i think at this point whether it's you know hopi prophecies or new jerusalems or whatever um age of aquarius stuff it seems like we're popping into a, um, a recalibration of the divided hemispherics um so i mean even in the 9 11 towers i'm not going to say that's what it was but there's even a resonance with like you know two towers now becoming one trade whatever um it seems like hemispherics are collapsing so masculine is becoming more feminized and feminine more masculine even with the whole transgender kind of situation um uh you know uh, uh jenner not bruce jenner now but i'm caitlin jenner caitlin jenner i think um just a lot of craziness going on and not in a bad way but just like i guess this is what an apocalypse or an unveiling looks like an aeon shift looks like um but we're in each other's dreams We've played around with the idea of solipsism before, and I mean, that's probably where I used, not used to be more, but especially when I was doing psychedelics, I was, it was it was more entertainable, I guess, of an idea, but I don't want to be like an asshole and just be like, you're in my dream, you know, whatever, it's like, I don't want to be that guy. So, yeah, it seems like group solipsism in a weird way. Um, so, uh, Raphael, do you have any thoughts on anything I just spewed in terms of zeitgeist identifiers? My position remains the same. Well, David might not know your position. Uh, Raphael, I should just say, um, at one point, the reason we even became you know, friends and something, I posted a DMT trip on, on Facebook or some group back in 2015 um, where I was talking to Egyptian deities and having Kundalini activations and just not knowing what the fuck was up with all that because I'm just, uh, you know, the magician card, he's like an initiate and hopefully he's had an Obi-Wan tell him what's up, but some of us are kind of foraging on the uh, ontological map alone you know and hoping we're not tumbling off the edge um but anyway Raphael read that and hit me up and then we've been friends ever since it was actually his idea to do the podcast we've always just kind of bantered and i've asked him questions but he's kind of more of uh well, i don't want to speak for him but he turned me on to bashar 
um, and kind of galactic lineage and kind of holographic thinking, um, very much kind of, you know, manifestation through the art of consciousness as a conduit, you know, as above, so, so below, just like the right away magician looks like, yeah, we are this like player playing, you know, it's playing through us and we are the player and all this kind of Ouroboral um, stuff going on. So um, if you wanted to expand on that, Raphael, cool, but I just realized. Haskin probably hasn't heard a single podcast, so he doesn't have a clue what your ontological presuppositions are. Well, what's uh, more interesting, maybe, uh, David, if you'd like to share, um, to what degree, so you say that synchronicity has increased. I would always say this is always a matter of, you know, one's own individual perception, although it seems there are some collective markers, even just as, you know, reflections we give to ourselves to have an excuse or permission slip to recognize even more synchronicities. Certainly to those who have eyes to see, it's very much, you know, going off the charts since quite some time. However, what would be interesting, especially also considering that you have explored also in a somewhat structured sense, one may, may say as you produced art, you know, it's, I individually, I don't judge either way, but sometimes people are like, you know, if you just do it, it's not worth it. But if you translate it, then you're great. So even. <laughs> let's say under with official standards, you'd be an authority, let's say. So what I'm just curious about is to what degree you would say you are clear or confused about, let's just call it the general makeup of reality. That'd be interesting because this is something that we've been talking about here on the show quite for some time. I'm like and, a child uh, who's wandered into a movie and Raphael's helped me try to find the North here. <laughs> so that's how it's been. I'm like, what? What's going on? This is my therapy couch in a weird way. But anyway, not to cut you off. Yeah, we're curious about maps of reality, basically. It's it's really exciting topic. I mean, this is this is the topic um, of eternity. And the fact that whatever it is about this this signature of this time is allowing us to speak to it a lot more is is really exciting. And I, I'm in a hundred percent agreement with you both that uh, it's not that there's a greater degree of perfection possible at this moment, but our ability to um, orient to it, something is changing about that, or or perhaps something is attuning with that, and I think that is where artists come in into play. Um, a dear friend of mine who's no longer with us, uh, her line was always to make love to the mystery. I think we can create a lot of different stories, and many of them ha are are very seated in historical uh, mysticism, truth, potential, uh, and and we could name. 50 different possibilities of how we could name what's going on right now. Um, for me, it's less about naming it in specific uh, because I'm a little concerned that the part of my brain that is not making love to the mystery, the part of my brain that thinks that it needs to know and concretizes and, and calcifies around knowing uh, starts to take the wheel back again. And right now I'm feeling very defensive of my ability to remain in a state of wonder because I think it's not grasping for it, it's feeling it, it's knowing it inside of me that I am part of this wave, that I'm experiencing it uh, in a way that I've not before, that puts me in that state of gnosis, that, that wakes me up. And, and it's, not a, it's not a cerebral experience that I'm having, it's full on, uh, you know, full on love awareness like Buddhahood. I just recently did as part of um, dealing with some healing crisis issues that I'm working with, which we can get into if you like. Um, basically, I did a seven-day water fast. Uh, and by the end of it, I was, uh, well, I've been sober, let's just say, because I'm dealing with this this crisis. I've been sober, no, basically no fun 
uh, of any kind, no ingestible fun um, of really any kind, food, um, alcohol, uh, mind-altering substances for, for many, many months. And after seven days of water fasting, completely as sober as I've been, and as long as I can tell you, I was tripping harder than I have in my entire life, completely attuned to the love frequency of the cosmos, blasting it through my body, through my, you know, spiritual body down into my physical body to deal with healing there out to every corner of the conceivable universe. And for me, it's, it's less about thinking about synchronicity uh, and more about completely embodying it and knowing it and feeling it through every cell in my body. Um, So that is in a way what I'm tracking more than any particular way we could put our finger on it. Um, It's a very personal, intimate relationship with, who shows up and when, the fact that we scheduled this interview months and months ago and that it's happening basically right in the midst of of one of the most profound uh, couple of weeks in my entire life is so fitting. Um, and I'm really grateful to be sort of buzzing still with a lot of this energy that I'm feeling. It's not, a, it's not something I'm reflecting on. It's something that I'm experiencing. And uh, every day people come out of the woodwork and whereas previously, uh, you know, random random strangers uh, make contact uh, as an artist this sort of happens and you can feel burdened by it in a way like oh i should respond to people i'm i'm looking at the opportunities of each person showing up in my field as how can i how can i share this um, you know i feel like i'm on fire i feel like i'm absolutely on like blue flame fire and it's my my job and opportunity and and pleasure and luxury in a sense uh and gift to be able to see if I can light other people on fire and keep asking how they're feeling and how they're experiencing this um, down to my, my family and the, the karmic ties that way and seeing if I can sort of uh, burn off my own karmas, but other people's as well. So it's the mystery is very experiential for me right now and we can call it anything we want, but uh, the embodiment of it is something that I've never experienced to this degree without ingesting uh, entheogens or psychedelics or something and my brain seems to be doing the work for me now so I'm very grateful that there's a you know a, a chemistry cocktail in there that that it seems like seven days of nothing but water was enough to release uh, so yeah I'm just I'm tracking that uh, in a very emotional emotionally charged and real way and uh, yeah a lot of it's hard to put into terms but the frequency uh, is entirely different and uh, I just hope it stays, you know, I hope it's reliable uh, enough way to get there. And you sort of couldn't pay me right now to to have a smoke or a drink or something that would normally have comforted me or got there or gotten me uh, to a place of of a state of higher awareness, because it's it's such a different level of integration now and feels like it's sticking. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm making love to the mystery in that way and, and tracking it on the daily. Uh, I think you're kind of asking... Raphael or, or, or presencing um, in a way like how these experiences relate to in a way the psychedelic cartography of art like bringing it back and for me it's very much less about bringing back a vision of the beyond and more about rendering the frequency that I'm that I'm vibrating with um, I, I'm at this point don't know if I have a lot more visionary compositions in me I've done a lot of that I spent 25 years trying to make paintings that would bring people into a visual state of something they could consider transcendental. At this point, looking at the physical vibration that I'm anchoring and placing that on a panel or on a canvas, 
so that it resonates with someone. And it doesn't matter if it's abstract or if it's a landscape or whatever it is. Um, it's more like an artifact of this state of being that I'm more interested in than a representation of an ideal state of being, if that makes sense. Totally. Like, um, I think a lot of visionary artists, Alex Gray, people like this, tend to try to codify the experience and symbols that we can grok transculturally. Um, you know, whether it's Indra's net or Kabbalistic trees or whatever, like that kind of stuff. And it's not always that dogmatic necessarily, but you see what I'm saying. Like, it's like visualizations of the maps are part of it. Whereas it seems your art lately has becoming, like you're saying, just kind of a channel for rooting the frequency of the experience into a medium that's, exactly that's it. not, you know, symbolic at that level. It's more, like you're saying, visceral. Um, I mean, I'm looking at your chart. You've got um, a grand water and fire trine, so you've got a lot of fire and water energy, but your um, Venus is an eighth house, as is your Mercury Pisces. So, yeah, you're a channeler for sure, uh, and you transform through mysticism, obviously. Uh, huzzah for not having to... I mean, I used to trip like once a week a few years ago, and I haven't tripped since day out of time in the Mayan calendar, which was like July, some 26 or something. Um, I've smoked once or twice, you know, in the past few months, but not like every day, like when I grew. So I feel you on the whole, like kind of ringing out the, um, the raver play, play mode or, you know, party boy mode. Not that that's bad. I think that the season, it reminds me a little of Donkey Island and Pinocchio. It's like, it's good to experience that, but at some point it starts like, you know, attachments form and psychological presuppositions. You know, it's like, I, I, I mean, as a musician, it used to be like, wow, smoking before a jam is awesome. Into like, I don't want to jam unless I'm stoned, which is problematic, uh, you know, as a conduit. Um, but it reminds me a little hook where it's like, you're doing it, Peter. You're doing it. It sounds like you're doing it on your own. And it is funny that you were mentioning Buddha. Um, you know, you're having the seven day water fast. Your, your Jupiter is in 12th house. I believe let me double check on this uh yeah cancer the end of cancer so it's like water magics for you like whether it's the fucking dead sea or water fasting or you know um these uh joe rogan has one i forget what they're called now um sensory deprivation tanks like that kind of stuff um even just swims in the moonlight or whatever might do you a lot of good hot springs up here in colorado um might be a you know a full moon adventure for you but um it sounds when you said that kind of i'm having my you know Bodhi tree moment here on all sober and clean. Uh, it's funny that you mentioned that because right when you were saying that, I was kind of having this vision of like the archaic smile on a lot of Buddhist, you know, statues and imaging, um, which is kind of like, I mean, I'm not a Buddhist and I know very little about it, so I don't want to sound like a, a scholar on it by any means. Um, but I think the whole origins of the Zen Buddhism thing was like, you know, the dude just sitting there chilling and he pulls up a flower and then one guy kind of like snaps into illumination. He's like, I get it or whatever. It sounds like you're having that I get it moment. Um, Sans. Uh, external kind of um, insemination or however you want to put that. You know, um, at a certain point, uh, Salvador Dali, uh, you know, when asked if he takes drugs, he said, I am drugs. And, and in a way, yeah, it's all in there. Uh, anything that we could take externally must have a receptor inside of us. We must be able to receive it and to assimilate it in some way. And at a certain point, uh, you know, you've, you've kind of had enough experiences, or, or apparently I have, uh, in order to be able to, to uh, get there in a new way. I mean, who's to say if this, if this state lasts? I, I certainly hope so. That'd be lovely. And um, I just wanted to mention in terms of the art movement that, that I'm fortunate enough to be a part of, there's so many different ways to go about it. And this is um, something that I've strived for for a long time, to create artifacts of a state of being. And it wasn't always this way, but I think there's place for all of it. The symbology is so important. Um, 
it resonates with us when, when we're when we're painting something more sort of literal or like look at this state of being and resonate with it. Um, what I'm doing is a little more subtle. It's a little less obvious that it that it might even contain these kind of codes. Uh, I've always been called an artist's artist. Like, uh, you know, my audience isn't uh, the masses or even the psychedelic masses. Uh, the people who love my art the most are the artists, um, which is such a compliment. I can dig to me. that. Yeah, it reminds me of Genesis or something. It's like not everyone loved Genesis, but if you know about the prog rock and like their album Blam Lies Down on Broadway or, you know, certain levels of Pink Floyd before they kind of got mad, mad big. Um, yeah, that definitely resonates uh, to yeah, the point. Right. Artist, artist, for sure. I mean, I, I see that very much so. Where It's like you're inspiring the people. Uh, I'm an ENFP in Myers-Briggs, which is the inspire. It seems like you're kind of doing your shit, which turns on the people who are going to turn the wheel, if that makes sense. It doesn't mean you have to be the one to turn the wheel. You know, it's just sort of how it happens. Um, I don't think I could have planned uh, my trajectory, and so I'm, I'm watching with a lot of a lot of interest and mystery. And the unfoldings are are really magical. And uh, as much as I participated in a lot of other art uh, scenarios outside of visionary art, a lot of art movements and scenes and uh, different paradigms, uh, whether it's classical art or you know even landscape painters or portrait painters or different things, there's you know, I come back to what the visionary art scene is as as much as it's changed and really uh, become sort of foreign to me in recent years. Uh, I'm so grateful for it and what it's doing. I may not I may not fit into it in the way that I used to per se, but uh, I can't deny how powerful it is and what a what a gift it's been to to participate and partake of it and uh, to get to know so many other not only artists but uh, people who are just really moved by the work. I mean, I think it's uh, more people than we can possibly know are influenced by or inspired by or, uh, you know, have an awakening by something we've done or said or, or shared with them. And, and we never hear about it, but uh, we're in the right place at the right time doing our work. And I guess for me, uh, you know, it's kind of funny. My recent, my recent series of work that I'm, I'm putting out there, it's, it's all landscapes. They're different than anything I've done before. Uh, the, there's clearly a vibration happening within them that is something totally, totally unique. But uh, I'm interested to see if the unsuspecting uh, witness gains something off of this, the unsuspecting uh, appreciator of, of maybe more contemporary, maybe more mainstream art has no choice but to be moved by it. It's sort of inception in a way, um, encoding these vibratory fields into uh, something that's not overtly psychedelic something not overtly visionary uh, and I think that's sort of been the mission of a lot of visionary artists too for a while is not just preaching to the choir but uh, embedding a code putting something that that seeds itself out into the world uh, beyond the people that already agree with us beyond the people who we already find affinity with and so that's sort of a, an interesting experiment to to play with uh, I'm really interested to bring a lot of mythic qualities into this time you know, we can talk about uh, whether it's sort of the Mayan calendar flipping or the apocalypse. I love the, you know, the revealing, the actual sort of etymological uh, basis of that term that we're, there's a, there's an unfolding and a revealing that's being, uh, uh, being presence with us. Uh, the latest sequence uh, of paintings relates to Ragnarok, the sort of twilight of the gods. And of course, in, in Norse myth, uh, it's sort of my lineage as well, my, my bloodline, but um, it all began again. The world began again. It, you know, it went up in a in a cataclysmic 
you know, ball of fire with all manner of battles of good and evil. And I, I, I definitely believe that's what's going on internally for a lot of us. And clearly it's going on in the out, outside world too. Uh, the forces of good and evil, if you like to look at it that way, they, they neutralize each other. And yet, even when they do, a new seed sprouts, something is birthed from it. There's a cleansing that happens. And it is this intensity of this period. You know, it's it's the pressure that turns coal into diamonds. And uh, there's so many metaphors for what's happening to us. But I, I kind of like that one, that a lot of people are just feeling so intensely pressured uh, that we end up withdrawing from it and, and do our own work. You know, uh, I think rather than have to feel like we need to show people the way, show them something, feel the self-righteousness of we have some answers. All we need to do is become stars. It's very simple and everyone else will shine too. you know, just absolutely become it. So that's sort of my goal. I'm, I'm aiming for, for stardom, uh, not in the way of, of, uh, recognition, but in the way of being fully lit on fire and, and, uh, you know, illuminating everyone, everything around me as I can. Well said. Uh, yeah, I appreciate that you, um, are grateful for the amniotic kind of fluid that you have been, you know, playing in for the past whatever decade or two with the psychedelic visionary scene. It's good to know. I mean, just look at any, I mean, this is where the art history comes in. Picasso had many periods. You know, Salvador Dali had many periods. Um, Beethoven, whoever, like artists, creatives have, the muse can't be tamed. I think one of the myths that's hard, especially in a commodification, kind of like, uh, you are what you do, like keep it going, um, always, you know, more and more, more, you know, kind of culture we live in, um, is that we tend, you know, it, it is a word way to put it, it's like maybe somebody's supposed to sing that one song and that's all they're supposed to do and they're not supposed to make a band and try to make 10 records of the same fucking thing. Although they could do that. Um, it seems like the muse can kind of run around a lot and it and people who are kind of trying like it's the Dow, right the Dow that can be named isn't the Dow. when you try to name it it's like effervescent and stuff and the muse is kind of like that too i think if you at times um maybe there's a place to look trying to directly look in the eyes of the muse or whatever but at other times it's like um almost like fairies out of the corner of your eye and you're like oh shit and getting kind of ex you know excited in that way and being playful because the north node for the collective right now is in gemini actually right between my sun and moon my sun and moon gemini um, and the South Moon's in Sagittarius, which is like dogmatic kind of structures of, you know, authority and tradition and truth with the capital T. That's not where we're supposed to be going right now. So it's nice to hear that you're not trying to, you know, tell people what to see or feel. You're kind of just playing around in a way. And for those with eyes that need to grok what they need to, they will. Um, it's, it's not like you're kind of doing drive-by gnosis in a way uh, with your paintings now where it's like, you know, I'm encoding it and there's intention and there's magic. I'm the alchemist. I'm putting in lines of code that will, at a hyperdimensional level, trigger those who are on the wavelength or at the point in their own journey to be able to get that and grasp that without having to, like, you know, force feed red pills um, to people. I, I think that's part of an awakening process where at some point you wake up and like, holy shit, I need to tell everybody. And then at some point, that kind of zeal, um, and depending on charts and all sorts of stuff, but that kind of zeal tempers and ultimately you keep a flame and, you know, you're showing a light on the way as opposed to trying to like burn down the Maya or whatever. Um, it seems kind of like you're finding your way in that sense. Um, I'd yeah. love to, oh, go ahead. Oh, you, you've got some great one-liners. Um, I hope, I hope you won't mind if in the future I can, I can sort of quote you on some of these things. I just want to touch on a few of them real quick right now. Oh my God. So many good lines. Um, 
about the muse. Yeah, taming the muse, not possible. The muse, it's quite the opposite. Um, you can propitiate the muse. You, you, we may attempt to gain the favor of the muse or the muses. Um, and, I, and I don't even think that that is quite uh, as simple as it sounds. You know, we think, oh, I'll make offerings. I will, I will tempt them. I'll tempt the muse with, you know, wonderful smells and, and an altar and a puja. Like maybe, maybe, or maybe it relates to uh, who we become in ourselves uh, to where the muse is drawn to us, to where the muse is inspired by what uh you know what he or she will get us to do will will compel us to do that creates even more inspiration in the world um drive-by gnosis is seriously good line as well absolutely absolutely um but i don't know if you're into star trek the next generation what we're talking about is kind of i'm watching that now because i'm a 35 year old sitting in covid kind of wondering what the fuck to do um but uh q in that whole series if you're familiar with it at all is it seems like that where it's like you can't force it and if if that energy is curious with you it sounds like you know if you're allowing yourself to be the vessel of curiosity to work through you whether it's your own or the universe is kind of a semantic point um that's where the magic happens and instead of i think in a weird way and maybe it's yuga based i don't know uh, you know patriarchal kind of yuga stuffs but like the whole like market exchange value this that you know if i give you grapes Bacchus better show up or whatever. I think that it might work, but I, but it's not probably. I mean, the pendulum won't stay there forever, and I think we're swinging away from it. So you know, the meek inherit the earth in that sense, where it's like the people not trying are going to get it. The people trying their damnedest are going to, you know, Lieutenant Dan it and find it like, oh my God, I was trying so hard to be that thing I thought I had to be, and you know, fighting with God, and then ultimately kind of coming to surrender, right, and just kind of capitulating to the the synchronistic breath of life or whatever the fuck this is um that's when you know that's when we're allowed to do it i mean it seems i don't i just finished i'm reading narnia now but i just finished reading harry potter with my fiance um she's in england and i'm over here and obviously that's problematic so we're trying to make the best of it and um yeah it seems you know like if harry was trying to to do i don't know if you're familiar with harry potter the universe but if it's like if you're trying to do it in a certain way and meet like might with might you're not going to do it it's about submission and surrender and trust um which is very you know woo and very kind of overplayed i, I get but if you've lived a life of like thrashing about that has a you know learning how to not do that it, it's paradox i mean that's the hardest part about life it seems, Par- like, paradox is not- where it's at right now paradox is my is my daily um it's your mantra I, 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 it is and um uh, you know, I think just to to wrap around to the muse. I think I think the thing that that brings the muse to us is grace. I, we can try all we want. Always, we could go yeah. through all the motions, and and at the end of at the end of it, um, you know, if the muse loves you and and blesses you, then you're fortunate. Um, and that's all we can really say. And uh, all I can say is being in the right place at the right time to be touched by that grace is so fantastic. Um, paradox is a really fun one of late. Um, some of our uh, uh, teachers in England uh, at, at the school, I mean, the legacy that came from Keith Critchlow, the great geometer who passed uh, the day after my birthday the last, uh, last year, uh, he said, if you can find a paradox, if you're lucky enough, if you're fortunate enough to find a paradox, it's kind of like being touched by the muse, I guess. Um, sit with it, be with it. Um, it resolves opposites. And it's not just Oh, well, okay, uh, you know, the opposite of, you know, you get yin and yang, and then the, you know, the paradox that unifies them is the Tao. We can say that very cerebrally, uh, but it doesn't bring us into that Gnostic state. And so paradox is, is something 
uh, indescribable. And like you're saying, uh, you know, if we think about trust or you know, a, a number of cliches that might that might be often repeated, uh, they're cliches for a reason. I mean, when someone is in a state of of hyper awareness or that touched by grace, the thing that they're going to say is going to sound like a cliche. It will be simple. Other people will repeat it without having had the experience. It's it's not rocket science. It's it's simplicity. We're we're shaving away all of the you know the complexity in these uh, cerebral mental loops that we get into in order to really reduce ourselves down to this sort of state of pure uh, creative consciousness. And yeah, it's going to, if we're not in that space, it's always going to sound like some trite cliche. So I'm, I'm wary of that in myself, but uh, paradox is a fun one. I like the, from chaos magic, at least one author in the chaos magic tradition, that the term that laughter is the opposite of laughter. And I sit with that a lot. Um, and you know, you get this idea of someone could be laughing or crying and you're kind of not, you, you wouldn't necessarily be able to tell at all times if it's, if it's joy or pain, or it's a mixture of both. And that seems that over that short circuits something in us, how could you be feeling joy and pain at the same time and, and becoming ecstatic from it? But on the other hand, how could you not? And that's sort of, those are the muses that I am, that I'm courting. Those are the wild muses that I'm interested in. And, uh, and they seem to be responding at this point uh, to being in a state of paradox, to being open to it. And, uh, you know, in a way, maintaining that, putting our foot in the door of paradox, saying this is, this is something that I, I'm willing to uh, subject myself to. I'm willing to go through trials, uh, ejecting myself, in a sense, from normal state of consciousness where I, where I know and where I'm comfortable and where I feel like... Uh, I'm in control. Uh, I'm doing quite the opposite, being completely out of my uh, out of my comfort zone, and emptying myself uh, partly of of substances that normally make me comfortable. Uh, and you know, yet another cliche: to empty yourself means that spirit can fill you. Well, yeah, no shit, that is definitely happening, and uh, we're just so so reticent to do it. It's so easy to uh, to want to be in the driver's seat, and very difficult to trust. Uh, and I've been saying trusting without trusting, because if you, you know, there's one way I can say, I trust you because I know you, because we have history, because, you know, a number of, of reasons why my mind would be able to say, I trust you, but that's not the trust that I'm talking about. It's trust without trusting. I don't know. Even this interview, like I trust that we're going to have an incredible journey, but not because uh, of our history, because I have no idea what's going to happen, but it's at the exact right moment uh, for me to transmit some of what's happening. And, and you're reflecting it back and offering me a whole lot of keys for what I'm going through. And that's sort of one of those paradoxes uh, that I'm courting. And it seems to be building and working. And we find other people who have keys for us all the time. Uh, and they have gifts. And uh, I think the gifts weren't theirs, but they found them. So we can really partake in them together and participate in that and share them with each other. So that's what I'm doing here. I mean, it's why, it's why I'm uh, painting. It's why I'm alive. It's why I'm speaking with you is, is exploring this territory and being completely mystified by it uh, and uh, not knowing what comes next. And to me, that's really exciting. Uh, not having any clue where this is going. Uh, I think it really loosens up possibility and that's uh, 
it's intriguing. It really is. It's like the most exciting life has ever been uh, because of being totally dumbfounded and being stupefied. Like, bizarre, but true. I love it. Um, I don't, I mean, I don't know how into astrology you are. Uh, Albert Durer and um, MC Escher, which is whom I was going to play over to more, share my birthday, but also like Sun, Moon, and Rising, so double Gemini the Rising. But MC Escher very much shows paradox resolving in a way that's visualized, um, and it gets ineffable very quickly. Uh, we're not really supposed to get it in a weird way, and and that's hard for people to understand because I guess we're coming from whether it's you guys or ages or whatever. Like it took you know there was a few people turning on and a lot of people in ignorance in a lot of ways, and I think that but and that was okay for then or whatever. But I think the Buddhahood and the Bodhisattva nature of everybody might be turning on right now to the degree where we're like, oh, okay, okay, okay. It's like the inside joke's kind of getting gotten, like laughing without laughing. Or, you know, laughter is like the opposite of laughter, like you're saying. Um, a G.K. Chesterton quote that came to mind, and I'll just read it really quick, uh, kind of exemplifies, you know, like, we've fallen into a world, even with the whole, like, Christian fall analogy or whatever, we've fallen into a very... Um, masculine form of trying to go out and name the animals or whatever instead of just being like what is it and it's tricky because it's not wrong it seems like appropriate for the time where consciousness is developing and it's playing with itself in a certain way um but what jika says is kind of um it seems like we're like you know certain businessmen and certain kind of um ways of going about reality are are shifting and maybe crumbling and and we need to respect what you know whatever i'm glad feudalism happened yay magna carta led to america or you know it's all consequentially necessary it seems um and it's all good but at the same time like we don't have to keep like you know just like your art you don't have to keep producing the same vibration constantly about exploration but anyway gk Chesterton is saying the poet only asked to get his head into the heavens there's the logician who seeks to get to the heavens into his head and it is his head that splits so i think there's only so far that we can go with this stuff it starts becoming ineffable mysterious you can't even assume where other people are what's funny to me is sometimes you know um people who aren't even interested in the heaviest, you know, ontological maps or whatever have keys, like you're saying, and they turn you on. Um, it's kind of, you know, like, the, in you know, the cliche of like, oh, the old little lady in the town says the wisest shit, even though she's kind of just joking. Whereas the guy who's like, I'm going to make a name for myself and be the, you know, put this town on the map for my theories or whatever is like missing it somehow and finds that out through humility and grace ultimately in this weird dance called life. So uh, let's go ahead and take a quick music break. When we come back, we'll talk about whatever you and Raphael and I conjure. Um, clearly you're you know articulate and, and thoughtful, so that's my favorite kind of monkey to play with. Um, so we'll have fun. And I guess the song that I picked is a Pink Floyd song, not to be too cliche, but it seemed appropriate for... Um, the situation in that it's from dark to the moon um called any color you like so hopefully you all enjoy it art i suppose is only for beginners or else for those resolute dead enders who have made up their minds to be content with the substitute of suchness with symbols rather than with what they signify with the elegantly composed recipe in lieu of the actual dinner is what Aldous Huxley writes in Doors of Perception in reference to you talking about art and also the recognition of the, let's say, everlasting moment of synchronicity lived rather than merely conveyed. 
really well said. There's something really, we're right on the edge of it. And I think that's as good as it can get. And, and it's really an enjoyable conversation. We're tracking the, tracking the wild in ourselves right now. And, you know, like you're saying, uh, Jim, sort of, you know, you might, in the Western state of mind, we might see an animal or a, or a plant and try to name it rather than understand it or, or feel what part of us is it? What is it saying? What does it speak? Why is it being there? And uh, there's this shift in perspective that we're chasing. And one analogy from a film that comes to mind that's come up a lot lately is from Contact from back in the day, basically where you know the humans uh, receive these plans from outer space to build a portal and the plans are incomplete. And from our current state of mind, uh, we cannot figure out how to make the plans work together. And only when they fold the plans into a three-dimensional form does it make any sense. And that really just epitomizes so much for me right now of what we need to do uh, from our current state of mind. There's no way we're going to track anything other than ourselves tracking. Uh, it's really this leap of faith into another way of thinking altogether. And what that is, no one can say, but some people have a cue about it. Some people tap us into it. And, I, and I'm following a few, a few threads that way. And you start to gain a sense for the kind of shift that happens. Uh, and it's not something we can write down and, and write books about and sell to people and, and have a self-help thing. Even, you know, even when I'm having an epiphany based on my own personal trials, you know, a few people have said, oh, well, you should try to prescribe this for other people so they can have the experience. Well, clearly not. Uh, clearly that would be the opposite of what would ever work. Uh, but there is a shift in perception that we can cue into. And I think if we hold it loosely enough, uh, it does arrive for us. It is there and we could tap into it loosely. It's, inter it's interesting that you bring up a uh, perspective because that was like the crux point of the Renaissance, right? Where everyone's like, before this point, we kind of, kind of, you know, hobbledy gobbledy painted <laughs> how we saw it relatively to, you know, like, you know, proportions and things were just not anatomically accurate um, and things like that, which is fine. It was, it was not representational, I guess you could say. And, um, and then, you know, basically Da Vinci Dura, these people came in and started using optics and geometry and certain ways of uh, bending that um, Jody Foster schematic from contact from the vegans and that one um, where they're like, all right, if we just shift it just a little this way, it, it opens up a whole new, you know, avenue of discovery. Uh, and I do agree that we're kicking into that mode right now. I mean, whether it's 2012 shifts or, you know, enough people have tripped now that or enough karma has been burned that or I'm, I'm not sure, but it seems right. the map is folding in on itself and it's starting to give us a new um, kind of topography. So the, the irony within all this or the, uh, the paradox that keeps giving, that keeps on giving is that we'll just take the Renaissance, for example, are we closer you know, it, when the Renaissance hit and we could we could suddenly understand scientifically how perspective worked, did it get us closer to or farther away from spirit? And I've had myself called on this because I'm, I'm a big fan of that period of time and what it did uh, for realism and art. However, uh, it was pointed out to me previously, and I think this was Lawrence Caruana from Vienna Academy, looking at medieval art. And instead of the vanishing point going way off into the distance somewhere, if you if it would be a painting with some thrones or furniture in the room, it was like the perspective was backwards, as if the viewer's eye was actually the vanishing point. So in a sense, uh, how magical is that? We look at it now and think, oh, it's it's 
uh, remedial. Uh, they didn't understand it. But maybe the gift was actually that they understood something we don't. Uh, you know, you get you get the idea, sort of platonic idea, and, and it's been picked up by a lot of people, Blake and others, um, that light comes from our eye, not that light goes into our eye. So it's, I, I think it's fun to play with those concepts as well and really entertain them, meditate on them, things that seem irrational completely. Those are the paradoxes worth sitting with and actually look at that old art uh, you know, the the uh, the medieval art that we might write off because it seems primitive to us, but consider how rooted we are now in this sort of rationalistic, you know, perspectival, accurate, what is realism? Because I don't think we're after realism right now. We see what realism has gotten us, and it's, it's a bit unsatisfying uh, in the long term. I think we're looking for something intangible, something that was maybe lost maybe we had at one point and we're trying to regain at a new octave now so i'm just I'm, i'll just presence that and you know i'm not a huge necessarily fan of like you know religious art in, in and of itself but there's there's something in there that is just as paradoxical uh, as the as the discovery of perspective was to it at the time and because we have this sort of zoomed out look at at art history at this point uh, I think we can use any key uh, at our disposal to to do whatever it is that wakes us up to that paradox even more. It's fun. I enjoy that. What came to mind when you kind of mentioned the um, you know reverse epiphany that maybe was represented by the uh, Renaissance, where it's like they had it in a certain way and then they kind of shifted poles, if you want to put it that way. Um, it might, reminds me a little of Marshall McLuhan, who was kind of like you know before literacy, humans read reality differently. Like we interpreted the you know our environment and how we interacted with it necessarily differently and because of the printing press and script and learning how to read you know a very linear fashion and stuff now we're you know it's weird because we've got to be careful what spells we're telling ourselves um and in some it's a both end on one hand i think everything's kind of exactly where it needs to be at the same time it seems to be kind of flexing between poles so you know some you know or, whether it's ellicinian mysteries or whatever Back in the day, it seemed like, you know, before kind of uh, city-states and patriarchies and, you know, Mesopotamia kind of stuff, um, we were operating in a certain way. And it's not that it was better or worse. It was just the way it was. And because stuff doesn't sit still, it doesn't seem in life, um, you know, things crept into the other direction and lent itself towards that other pillar, um, you know, Joaquin Boa's pillar or whatever, and went that way. And then when it kind of solidifies in that mode, which it seems like post you know, science and post uh, nation states, and now we've got you know DNA as ATGC, and this is how long ago the universe came to be, and all these kind of we're hitting a certain kind of limit, it seems, with um, masculine pushing, and now we're kind of having to back off a little. It doesn't mean it's going to end fully, I don't think, but it's like it's starting to back off that pole a little and go towards the middle. Um, and it's funny because. Uh, I'm looking at some of your art uh, when that song was on because I think, I mean, there's so many types of art that you're doing and they're all such high caliber. It's, it's really fucking a feast for the eyes in a lot of ways. So Anima Mundi, though, that triptych you've got um, that's kind of a pagan kind of parrot. Well, I mean, I want you to kind of explain your thought on what it is or whatever, but it seems that's kind of what we're talking about. It's like, you know, you got polarities on either side. Um, it seems, you know, blues and reds, even color tone polarities. In the middle, you have this kind of... Uh, not necessarily Baphomet reference, but kind of this as above, so below, animal-human hybrid, kind of the riddle of the Sphinx in the middle. Um, it seems kind of like what we're talking about. We're kind of always weaving like a snake from one side to the other up the tree, and 
it's not that one side's ever good. I mean, it's just this weird Star Wars thing. We're balancing the force, but sometimes that means the Sith need to take over, and sometimes that means the Jedi need to come back, and you know, back and forth we go until I guess we'll laugh about it one day and say, "My God, that was an entertaining fucking hologram or whatever the fuck we're doing." Right. There is such an element of struggle in this realm, and I think it's such uh, it's such a part of it that we we're striving. It makes us strive. Um, I think you're right in saying, uh, you know, you're relating to the masculine and feminine, perhaps ways of knowing, um, and that knowing about things scientifically in this sort of rationalistic, we could call it a masculine way, not to mean that it's men that do this and women that do the other thing, but w- we know enough about things at this point that it's pretty clear that that knowing more about things is not necessarily going to ever get us to the place where we uh, are in a state of gnosis about thing, you know, about them. Uh, there's there's a wonderful uh, storyteller named Dr. Martin Shaw who I've been following lately. He says, "I don't want to hear any more stories about the Earth. I want to spend time with the Earth and hear what it has to say through me. I want to embody that." And I think the Anima Mundi piece uh, speaks to that to a degree. That's a collaboration between Eloria and myself, an unfolding five pointed triptych. It's definitely got uh, a lot of occult. Uh, overtones. Uh, honestly, it was it was not meant to be a, a dark and scary piece. Uh, the creature in the middle is definitely a nod to Baphomet. It's not necessarily as as sexualized as you might see in a normal setting. But there's you know a self portrait, nude self portrait of me on one side as sort of this Martian destructive embodiment of the the masculine archetype and all our knowing and all our doing and all our making and kind of this destructive. Uh, you know, combustion paradigm. And on the other side, uh, you know, a full body, a portrait of Aloria sort of swooning in the auroric ethers of, of beingness. So I'm, I'm sort of doing and she's being, and still there's a paradox in the middle that, that, you know, we're embodying these mudras, but this, this Baphomet character is sort of swinging his arms around in the, in the gesture of uh, justice and mercy and regrowing the clear cut tree of knowledge, regrowing the clear cut, uh, ancient forests of knowledge and that's it's an action not a piece of information and it's symbolic i mean we're great it'd be good to go plant trees that's certainly what what we're up to this spring uh, that's not necessarily quite what it means but it's really there's a different kind of of embodiment that i think is going to uh, unify those opposites yet again in the paradox and it's knowing when to deliver justice and when to deliver mercy being a being our own sort of both benevolent and wrathful deity really checking ourselves really looking at when we're you know we're sort of patting ourselves on the back and making ourselves feel good about all the privilege or knowledge that we have uh, and when actually we need to cut right through that and uh, I have so much respect for the people who can who can cut through that compassionately um, call you on your bullshit if that's what it is, uh, to where you don't you don't feel a need to react uh, and defend uh, because it's a new state of awareness being offered to you. Uh, so in a way, that's what the unity unification of opposites is. It's not neutralizing them in the middle. It's offering a balance, a third point, a, you know, the upper point of a triangle, an upper pointing triangle that unifies uh, unifies two polar opposites and creates a cycle between them. Um, it, it vilifies them. It, it it sanctifies the opposites. It makes the struggle worth it. And I think that's what we'd like to see. Not to, uh, you know, so often you can feel like this this earthly struggle is all for nothing, uh, but it can't be for nothing. It's required. What is what is relief? What is peace? What is bliss? 
unless you unless you know what struggle is, unless you know what pain is, unless you suffer. Uh, so it's just part of the realm. It's part of the realm we find ourselves in. And, and uh, you know, some moments we get lucky enough that the, the higher realm comes and sits on our head and, and shows us uh, a little relief. I mean, uh, I definitely have had uh, one particular psychedelic experience where I, I asked for contact. And I certainly got it. Uh, an upside down uh, DMT being uh, came and occupied my head with its head. Of something completely intangible, but I felt the space between my cells being occupied by another entity. Certainly not something that I could recreate for myself or even feel again, but the paradox was lived. And in living that paradox, it sort of opens you to a pattern of what it is, the kind of mental shift that's required in order to find those again, and the kind of looseness with which we can hold those states and perhaps invoke them you know, draw them to ourselves. Beautifully stated. Oh yeah, no, you're making total sense. I love what you're dropping. Um, I'm just kind of trying to absorb it and make sure Raphael has space to say anything if he would want to. So it's, it's fun always, you know, I can jockey conversations well, but I don't want to dominate a conversation. I'm, I'm a Gemini. I'm a student. I want to listen as much as I want to talk. Um, and looking at that triptych with the kind of Baphomet uh, centerpiece, um, Baphomet-esque thing. Uh, it's, I mean, you're showing it even with that uh, eclipse, basically, which is funny because that is kind of the whole point of the dark summit. There's no dark summit, really. Right? It's like all dark. Um, but like those opposites, the sun and the moon, presumably in front of it, creating almost an iris and an, you know, um, an eyeball kind of situation where it, it it is what it is, and it seems like you can. Um, it's funny because I think there's dilation points. I think sometimes it's. It's very, it, you know, grace comes in. It's like, you know, relax into it. It's just like it's like tripping kind of. It's like relax. Like if if you're if you're trying to organize your thoughts about this too much, like you're gonna miss it. Um, and then other times it's like, well, you know, move along now and like try to make some sense of it. It it is a paradox. I mean, I, and uh, I, we've had Richard Rudd on who has done the jinkies, and that's a big word he uses quite a bit in the jinkies um, paradox. I'm very aware of it i think Raphael's a libra he's very aware of it um a very kind of different flavor um but it seems that yeah it's it's a cosmic joke we're a part of and it's unfolding through what we could perceive that the present is time space and you know the meaning is the experience and the gods must be crazy and all this kind of stuff was like wow this is did we ask to do this i'm it's funny um i don't know if you're into aldous huxley Raphael was quoting him i haven't read brave new world still somehow i'm just you know i don't always hit the fucking greatest hits like i should quote unquote um like it took me a long time to get into bob marley and the dead because i was just like and the beatles i was like everyone loves this shit i'm, I'm listening to you know floyd and uh, zappa and stuff like that but anyway um uh it reminds me of uh, if you've read island by him which is really the only book i've read by him but it's a really cool book about kind of mushroom cult and a guy finding it. They're kind of Buddhist driven. If you haven't scoped, it's worth reading. But anyway, this bird is always calling out Karuna, Karuna, which is the word for, in their language for compassion. And it seems like that's kind of the point of it all, just to kind of, I mean, it sounds trite. And, you know, how many times can you hit a fucking horse without, you know, <laughs> making a big old mess? But it's like, uh, we just have to sublimate into it. And I think that's kind of what the magician card's showing, you know, in the tarot, it's like, here's the four elements. Like this is logically what we're made of. There's elements we are made of and they're not the same. They are different, you know, polarity and, or, you know, um, 
uh, I forget what the uh, Greeks called it, but the humors kind of style. It's like these have different attributes. Exactly. Exactly. The humors, the humors that sort of uh, preexist the the elements. Exactly. Um, You know, there's, it's coming to me that there's sort of this difference between uh, knowing something, even uh, feeling something and wielding it. Wielding is this term that's been coming lately and both in, both in relation to arts practice, ritual, magic, um, you know, whatever it is, enacting, enacting, uh, healing, conjuring, invocation. Uh, we can understand the elements. We can look at the symbols for the elements or the humors. But what kind of space do we need to be in to wield them? There's a magical state of mind that we, we must access, it seems like. I mean, we're really on this thread and... and that is different for everyone, but I think it, it's doable. It's practical. We can we can bring ourselves into a magical state of being, and it it may to speak about it will never do it justice. Uh, just like you said with the Tao, the Tao that can be spoken is clearly not clearly not it. But one could embody those gestures, those Baphomet, uh, those motions. Um, I mean, that's just a still picture of this painting we're discussing. There's a, there's some mudras happening, but clearly it wasn't about someone just sitting there uh, posing. I mean, we had a dear friend pose for that, but it was a lot of movement. There was a lot of action. And in this last week, as I've been on my own healing journey as well, uh, really embodying those gestures uh, in motion. And I think there's there's something about embodiment that, you can read a million books. It doesn't matter what the words are. Uh, you can prepare yourself with the, the incantations and rituals, but unless in that moment you can show up at the right, uh, you know, fortuitous uh, bhav, that, that juice, that spirit juice that, that motivates you out of a, a true need, a true calling, uh, you know, we'll probably just sit back and, and read about other people doing it. Uh, so it's a fine line, but at some point, and it took me a healing crisis to get there. And, and I think planetarily we're, we're experiencing that as well. They're, and it may be why people are, are seeming like they're popping off uh, left and right is that, uh, you know, they're scared and they're, they need to act on a higher dimensional frequency than they've been able to. They're really running out of answers on planet Earth. Uh, and it doesn't matter what side of the, you know, if it's a political divide that you're looking at, uh, it's like, what is the higher, what is the higher path here? And it's, it's a relief to get out. of. I mean, I used to follow news. I used to follow politics very recently just to keep myself informed as if that was, you know, as if seeing the tidal wave coming on the news was going to help me with anything. Well, the duty and, of a good and, citizen, right? I mean, we're like, oh, I need to be well informed or else I'm a fool. And it's like, well, the fool no, cards were a set sometimes. <laughs> that is the fool card, um, I would say, is following, you know, looking at the finger that points at the moon. It's like you, you have to stop. Um, investing in that which does not bring you to that higher place, uh, especially under the guise of wisdom or especially under the guise of, uh, I don't know, obligation or, or any kind of thing that isn't actually calling you uh, outside of the trap that we seem to be in. I mean, it's, it's not providing a solution. The, you know, the political malaise is, is clearly not providing a, a unified solution. Um, so I, I can't imagine that it ever will. And uh, I've just stopped looking and it's done me so many wonders in the last, it's only probably been a month or two where I just, it's like I'm allergic 
to the mundane at this point. And it, it just, it kind of, you know, I'd called that avoidance in the past and said, oh, you're just uh, escaping, uh, you know, a fundamental reality that we need to deal with. And and sure, there's perhaps some empowerment there, but it's it's all various stages along the, along the way. And I couldn't be happier uh, to not be concerning myself with things that uh, embed fear and embed division. And so cynicism in me and i'm really good at being cynical uh so it's it's a practice to to actually look at how sincere can i be how you know if i'm speaking to someone uh, a dear friend or a new acquaintance uh, can i tear their heart open can i say something that just makes them know that we are family uh, can i expand my clan can i can i make real action uh can i ritualize love on the day-to-day basis and that's a new thing for me. I mean, I, I've, I've had thoughts around that, had glimpses perhaps in a psychedelic state, but to practice it is fantastically transforming. And for me, the idea that I'm sort of lit up in this divine flame, uh, by sharing that flame with any other candle, my flame doesn't go out at all. It just amplifies the light. And then if I, am, if I find myself flickering, if I find myself uh, you know, coming back down to earth and not not really able to hold that, then my, my closest relations are going to make sure that they, they pass it back to me. And I really think, you know, community is so key and dedication to each other is absolutely critical in this time. It's, it's kind of the only thing worth, worth really doing is lighting each other up. You know, at least that's where I'm headed at this point. I can dig it. Yeah. It seems like we're in a collective uh, Jedi cave or Luke Skywalker cave or whatever it's like. We've been avoiding a lot of shadows collectively for a while, and just even strictly astrologically speaking, there's uh, five at least planets right now, Mercury included in retrograde, in um, Aquarius right now. Aquarius is about, you know, it's ruled by Uranus, and it used to be ruled by Saturn, depending on your, you know, lens or whatever. But um, this is about epiphany. This is about seeing clearly. um, And hopefully we're not just getting, you know, the schematic and saying, well, that's what it is. Uh, But it seems like we're kind of, we're going to have a quantum punctuation at this new moon coming up. I don't know how um, that kind of brings up another point. I'm curious about when you're talking about ritual magic and attention, uh, you know, the magician card. Um, and I'm not trying to get you to, you know, be dogmatic and say, this is the way I get, I think we're all kind of on the wave of like, we're all kind of finding our grail through our own grail quest. So I'm not looking for a prescriptive kind of you know answer here, but I'm curious as to like, what level are you playing with like ceremonial magic? Um, and what tools, I mean, it seems like you even were saying you're backing away from the arconic kind of loose taking reality tunnels that have been posed as like true, right? Whether it's media or politics or whatever culture at large, like McKenna's like culture's not your friend. It's, it's trying to like subvert you. And yet paradoxically it's made by humans. So it's this weird horrible there, but, um, what are some of the techniques that you've used? Like maybe there were seasons of time, like you were like a thelemite at one point. Now you're not, or. You know, and there's no right or wrong. I'm just kind of curious, like, what is your whole magical approach? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I've always been sort of anti-establishment, uh, regardless, um, regardless of if that was counterculture. Uh, you know, if it was, if it was, I think you said this before. You know, if, if this is what people are are doing, I was always looking for something else that was not that sort of neti neti, like not this, not that. If you, if that's what you're pointing to, then I want to be cautious to not get stuck on that. So it changes. It really does. And uh, different forms for different moments. I mean, I think, I think uh, you can have a beautiful uh, epiphanic moment in a, in a, 
you know, Catholic cathedral in the right state of mind, even though the moment I walk out of there, I'm like, you know, kind of cleansing myself of that and like shocked that I'm not uh, bursting into flames, but it's looking through to the archetype. And I think it's, it's available for us in every moment. It, it really is like, uh, it depends on the intention and it, you know, some moments that that takes a really, uh, I guess an archetypal, a classical form, something that, that actually feels a cult, you know, wielding a, a ritual blade and, and doing, you know, for random example, not that I was just doing this, but, you know, provide, you know, performing a psychic surgery on say a stagnant energy in your body or, or, or whatever it might be under the influence of, of, uh, you know, an altered state of consciousness. That is certainly something that, that we might recognize and be able to share with similar people. But uh, at the same time, so might be, um, you know, developing a revolutionary website and dedicating to that for, for 16 hours straight and, and recognizing that uh, it actually doesn't matter what it is. It, it matters how it is, how it manifests, and it's a quality of attention. Uh, so I'm a bit cautious to, you know, look for prescriptions in any way. And I'm, you know, I'm so dislodged from a specific form uh, because I think they get very tired and calcified quickly. So they, not that they don't work for people. I mean, they're, they're, all manner of traditions, be it occult or, or spiritual or religious, that absolutely bring people into that heightened space. But my experience of them is that it's kind of like going through the motions. You say, oh, I, I, I recite these things, I invoke, uh, I think I felt something, yep, I feel, I feel the spirit. And that is so different uh, to me, like night and day different from... Uh, being in you know like rapture being in rapture where the muse uh wears your skin uh and and fortunately i feel blessed to have had enough uh psychedelic experiences be it ayahuasca or something else you know something else where i've i've i know the difference at this point and it's just it's it's never become formulaic for me if i did something twice in a row the second time it certainly wouldn't work and that's just my my own signature i think it's this novelty i i push myself um really hard i've done a lot of lot of trials a lot of body modification in my life um and and uh until recently you know i've really kept a lot of that covered and kind of hidden uh, it's been very personal and it's not something that i've shared with a lot of people but it's sort of like for me pushing myself beyond pain is one way uh to reach a state of union uh, recently in this water fast, I mean, I'm sort of sharing like really like pretty, you know, this is like pretty personal, um, ritual stuff. Your but diary. <laughs> but it's, yeah, you, yeah, you have, like, oh, shit. and I'm willing to share it because it's my dedication and it's what's turning on in me right now. Um, but you know, seven days into, uh, into water fasting where I'm basically just tripping my face off completely sober, um, tattooing sigils on my fingers so that I embed that state of consciousness into myself. And every time I look at it and every time I feel them and I'm, I'm seeing that, I'm brought right back to that as one example. And there have been a lot of, you know, there's a lot of things that are not just sort of like I wave my fingers in the right way. Uh, there was a physical transformation that accompanied an internal transformation. And if anything, I think maybe that's the thing that I've, that I find myself repeating over and over again is if we, if we actually have a transformation on the inside, it would I believe that it reflects externally and vice versa. Uh, 
as above, so below, of course. And so uh, body modification, tattoos, implants, piercings, all manner of bizarre shit you can do to yourself um, really anchors that in. And yeah, it's a trial. And yes, it's pain. Uh, but pain is one of those things that, that we get to transcend uh, as we're looking for the one, as we're, as we're finding, uh, you know, relief from that suffering. We can, we can impose it on ourselves. So it's, I guess that's one that's stuck with me for a long time. I started getting tattooed and, and doing all manner of unspeakable things to myself uh, in, that, in that vein um, at a very young age. And I've never really looked back. Uh, strangely and interestingly, within this last, basically since the, since the solstice, a lot of that's coming back. I used to be a tattoo artist at age 18 through 23, 24, and ended up jumping into painting because I felt like my vision could be better expressed in that medium. And just this last month or two, it's been very obvious through, yet again, a cliche, endless series of synchronicities, things coming back to me, energy returning to me from that period of time saying, look, you said you were going to, you said you were going to hold that door open for the post-apocalypse. When the shit hits the fan, you were going to be there ready to, to work on people, ready to bring them to this new state of being. And that is exactly what's happening now. So I'm, I'm getting back into tattooing now and, and ritual body modification under ceremonial pretenses, essentially, and uh, really excited for that turning of the leaf to bring people through that. That's fascinating. Thanks for sharing. Um, I, I do think that uh, you have Uranus, which is all about, you know, chaos and epiphany and shock, you know, the rebel or whatever in your can uh, in Scorpio in fourth house. So it's like, yeah, you're in a weird way. You nurture through shocking taboos in a weird way so you don't have to feel shame about that i'm not that you do but it's like yeah it's oh, I'm, go- I'm good with, i'm good with the i'm good with the weird that's uh that's definitely all good with me definitely that's what's up and it sounds like you're uh quite aware of uh, and it seems like and, and this doesn't become a mantle that we should be like overly uh, maybe even aware of or proud of or whatever but i think that certain people who have gone through initiation whether you know overt or personal or whatever the difference there is um we're kind of the ground crew in a way, and I'm shitty at it. Raphael can attest to this. I'm so double-minded. I'm like, do I believe what's happening? <laughs> or whatever. You know, it's like that kind of stuff. But uh, we're going to be midwives for, you know, the new Aeon in a sense. And um, everyone's kind of just walking each other home. I'm style. I get that. But in a sense, like, people have asked to be at the front row fucking seats of Shamu splashing the new Aeon water all over them. And we're right up in the mix, it seems. Um, so there's going to be a lot of people who are confused and wanting guidance. Not that, like, they should look for authorities or you know people that can do what they can't but we're kind of holding open the door it seems to that new awareness and saying i went in you'll survive that room's collapsing you might as well try this room yeah i mean i think it's very experiential uh, and it's why tattoo and body modification appeals to me and i i had said if i was going to come back into this field it would never be for vanity and uh you can't come and get a rose or a sticker or a cool uh, a cool a picture on you that's going to make you feel like you're you're part of the gang this is about cracking you open and when i when i'm picturing this act this you know this ritual act moving forward uh, could i sit with someone could i could we stare in each other's eyes before we uh, engage in in providing this uh, external transformation for what their soul needs to go through could we cry together could we like break open and be best friends from from going uh, from complete strangers to best friends in, in the matter of a few hours because of the level of presence that we can bring to each other. It's not something you could ever say to someone or 
or even guide them through. It's just being fully there for their moment of need as people have been for me. And it's, you know, it's sort of the least you can do when you uh, have had that experience is to want to share it. And so there's a lot of compassion flowing through us at this time. Um, you know, we have a lot of ideas and knowledge and inspiration and art and creativity, but none of that is quite touching uh, the frequency, the emotional tenor of listening, of being present for someone who's who's suffering, of just hearing them and being with them, not taking anything away from them, uh, but witnessing it. You know, witnessing is huge. And uh, I've been on both sides of that coin, and uh, there's nothing quite like it, really. It reminds me a little of kind of, I mean, I haven't been in war or anything, but like very traumatic events, whether it's, you know, in Harry Potter and all the people at the end or whatever, um, you know, at the Lord of the Rings, whatever it is, people like look at each other and they've gone through communion together, like what you're saying. Um, and I think that's kind of what's turning on popping collectively. It seems like people are starting to snap out and be like, you know, what? It, it the amount of, you know, drugs I take or the amount of um, peak experiences through pornography or whatever it is, you know, it's not that these things are necessarily bad in themselves, but the kind of hyper stimulation and hyper um, distractibility kind of of our species is hitting a crescendo. And it seems like we're starting to be like, all right, look, you know, the more lines of Coke I do, the not, I'm not any happier necessarily or whatever. So maybe we're starting to fall off the addictive kind of cycle, hopefully, but then paradoxically, you see, you know, people seem to get it into new domains, like whether it's crypto or new political whatevers. And it's just like, oh shit, it's like no one's trying to get off the wheel, it doesn't seem. No, it's a real trick. I mean, wow, you know, while there's only there's only one of us here, uh, as the saying goes, um, there's a multiplicity of, of, you know, facets of, of the one as well. And, you know, we have to be a little cautious of our own messiah complexes too, um, I think we're really drawn to the seekers. In those of us, you know, I mean, this conversation is just so engaging and there's so much food for thought and so many seeds planted that um, in a way I'm asking what's going to, what's going to permanentize this, at least for my physical being's lifetime, what's going to permanentize this kind of state of being of, of waking up in the dream to where I'm not just having to, uh, you know, sort of continually go back and tap into some, you know, I don't know, external uh, source for it, though those those are helpful. It primes the pump. You have to know what the territory even is before we can know what we're looking for. So it takes a lot of trial and error. But uh, yeah, it's really it's really a, sort of a, a conundrum. Those of us who are who are seeking it uh, earnestly, I think, are finding it right now. At least that's that's how I'm tracking uh, my community. Uh, anyway, is the is the people who have been preparing for this for a long time, preparing through whatever means, whatever it is, um, activated compassion, uh, psychedelics, uh, jogging, I don't know, what you name it. Um, however, people are, are anchoring, uh, being grounded in their bodies, pulling it in, being stronger in themselves, or, you know, whatever it is. It's a multiplicity of different things, but uh, there seems to be... Uh, no one way uh, other than the fact that uh, those of us who are recognizing the wave and that we're a particle on it uh, are having a really fun ride at the moment and uh, what what a gift again grace isn't it who could have planned it's fun to be shocked uh, what comes to mind is like isaiah in the bible the story of isaiah where it's like 
you know, super religious Jew, like always doing his duties, going to the temple. Like he's 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 doing the right thing. Let's put it that way, right? He's doing all the ritual, or you know, on all the pomp and circumstance. And then one day he goes to the temple and he sees an angel of the Lord and it puts a hot coal on his tongue and there's all this crazy psychedelic shit. And it's like that's the difference. I mean, I think it helps, you know, chop wood, carry water, show up, do the, you know, create the rhythm in order for the magic to appear. But it's always funny. Um, I mean, obviously DMT, that what you were saying, like merging minds with other parallel beings or whatever happens, like that's a good, I mean, not to say that's the only way it comes, but that's a good example of how jarring and uh, delightful and novel and bizarre and not expected um, the multidimensionality of the Tao can be. It's crazy. Sure, yeah, sure. I like the idea that, uh, I mean, I think it's uh, more of an Eastern idea uh, that there are more seeds for enlightenment in the hell realms than anywhere else. It's, you know, we can be these sort of happy demigods floating around in, in relative comfort, just enjoying the splendors of, of our easy existence. And there's really no impetus for us to, to push all the way through and do the hard work that it would, that it would take to uh, have that epiphany. Um, but when one finds himself in a hell realm, uh, it's intolerable. You know, you really, the suffering is so great that that you really recognize the gifts and you recognize what a lifeline looks like and you recognize what compassion is because everything else is so clearly not that and i think a lot of us have had that in a in a psychedelic experience perhaps being dragged through your hell realm and uh and when that light comes in or or, you know whether it's the shaman playing that flute or you name what it is uh but some sweetness that is uh compassionate uh it is so evident and so obvious that it's different from the hell you're experiencing that nothing else can supplant it and nothing else can take over it. So, you know, in a way I've been, I've been nothing but grateful for the, the hell realms that, that I've traversed in this life because you couldn't separate them uh, from the bliss that is, you know, that is taken over from them. And there's a lot of parables around that, you know, you, you hear stories of, you know, the spiritual aspirants kind of, trotting along like you're saying and then like kind of the evil king has a you know his his wake-up call in one shot because yeah he was kind of an asshole his whole life but had an epiphany about it and uh so i I think we have to just not judge what anyone's going through uh, and and really hope with earnestly that whatever this wave is is affecting all of us differently certainly Um, some of us are maybe you know feeling the tidal wave swelling but wow, what if this was what if this was the full ride for everyone all together now? How what a gift! Um, so I'm in a way I'm holding out for that. Uh, I'm doing what I can do uh, to work with the the circumstances that I have. But I, I have to assume so is everyone else. We're all doing what we can with what we uh, what we inherited and and what we've chosen to do with it. So who's to say? Who's to say? We're in the mystery again. You know, make love to the mystery. That's what we can do with it. That's what's up. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about paradox constantly, and uh, what you're kind of talking about is like going into that hell and trying to tell others how, or not even telling others, telling yourself or whatever, the Bodhisattva, where it's like, there's hope, don't let go, this can be transmuted, versus the Arhat kind of position where it's like, there is no elo- there is no illumination, what's not illuminated, everything is in epiphany mode already, we're there, <laughs> laugh, like, enjoy, and if you permit yourself to suffer, there's a lesson there that you've wanted to go into that well for, for that pearl, to pull out of the muck, to to say, wowie zowie, I did it, or, you know, whatever. It seems like it's this craziness. Uh, and one other thing that kind of popped in my mind, uh, Miles Davis, um, who's actually really way cooler than I realized. I never got in. I mean, I had sketches of Spain as a 
cassette uh, in high school that I would listen to just because I was kind of pretentious and like, oh, I'm going to turn on to Miles Davis. But I never really turned on to much of his stuff like um, generally other than the album. Um, very cool musician. Um, but I've never heard Bitches Brew and shit like that, I hate to say. Um, but in any event, um, he was kind of one to say, like, you know, learn all the theory, learn all that masculine structure form. Like the magician needs to know the elements and then kind of forget about it. Raise your one arm up and one arm down and say, I'm in it and it's happening through me and this is it. And wowie zowie. So crazy times. Um, I know we're kind of wrapping up here. Uh, David, it's been a real pleasure uh, having you on. You're not only a cool uh, mind, but you're a great artist. Phenomenal. I mean, I really do say that from the bottom of my heart. Your art is uh, dope. I mean, that sounds retarded probably, but it's like, it's really, really good shit. And I hope people can check out your art. Um, You know, if there's any kind of projects or uh, websites, we'll be putting out in the links. Um, but kind of talk about how people can tune on to your wave and maybe any parting thoughts that you wanted to imbue us with. Wow. Well, first, uh, thanks so much for having me. It's been just, you know, so inspiring and I, and I look forward to sort of recapitulating a lot of things. I really enjoy your, your, your streams as well. It's like, wow, there's so much in there that I, that I can integrate and, and that really, uh, lights up my brain and lights up my mind. And I'm really looking forward to that. Um, you know, right now, wow. Uh, I'm just kind of plodding along, being uh, being a bit of a hermit, doing my thing. Um, you know, I'm on all the normal social media channels, which is, uh, you know, a little bit mundane, but but using it in a little more of an exciting way. That some of the exciting things coming up. Uh, one is that it looks like I'm going to be doing a, a class for tattoo artists, um, a one day class on Guy Aitchison's um, reinventing the tattoo network. I uh, was just invited to do that the other day, which is really a thrill. He's a uh, guy's been an old friend of mine and, and uh, done some tattoo work on me. I look forward to connecting with him again. And, and with the tattoo world, it's, I mean, just destiny clad, as I mentioned before. And then in April, uh, I'm really excited that Alori and I are going to be offering our first uh, course since coming back from London, the first kind of real serious class. We've done a few little short Zoom calls, but this is the uh, technical metaphysics of oil painting where uh, we really get to balance. You're talking about the balance of these pillars and, and the integration. And, and for me, the, the technique on one side and the metaphysics on the other, as we sort of touched on earlier. Uh, so in a way, it's kind of like people will come and, and, and learn a lot of skills, but at the same time, it's my goal to really uh, crack open some new, new kinds of awareness through art and see where this can go. Um, I've been working on a book, which is kind of strange and exciting that I hope I'm going to give myself about a year uh, to get finished, which may be under the same title. And it's, you know, it kind of shocked me like, wow, I'm kind of, kind of an old guy now. I'm like, you know, I guess they would call it midlife crisis where I'm at at this point, I should be buying a sports car, but instead I'm, you know, dedicating to love and, and, uh, community. So I guess that's the new way, but, uh, you know, I'd like to put that out to more people and, and figure out how to reach, uh, as many, as many people who are ready for the, uh, sort of the calling for, for using art to awaken themselves uh, as possible. So that's taking many forms. Sometimes I teach, I'll wear that hat. I love being a student. It was fun to be in school for a while for that. And uh, yeah, I'll come back and, and play the teacher role uh, and see what happens with that. Uh, but otherwise the big, the, big, the big moves coming up are um, really dedicating to creating a sanctuary on this 35 acres in Paonia. And it may take some years. This is sort of a long-term game, but uh, 
you know, we're going to have our first tree planting party around Mother's Day this year, 525 trees going in the ground as a dedication to reforesting, as a dedication to Gaia and the nature spirits that are already on that land. So we're going to have a number of students out there for that and uh, some ceremony and really just activate the land, hopefully doing some some wilderness vigils, maybe some, you know, fasting and sleeping under the stars and hearing what the earth has to say to us. And, uh, you know, that's what really lights me up right now. Lovely. You are in Colorado. I mean, hopefully our paths cross physically sooner than not. I haven't really been getting out of the high co- mountain country just because of COVID. I was in Australia yeah. for three months and I was supposed to be in Vienna, but clearly all this is on pause at the moment. So, um, but yeah, I hope to meet you up like physically one day. You're cool as fuck. Uh, let's do and, it. Let's do it. Yeah. Well, he sounds like you're an Aries. You're like, hell yeah. <laughs> like you're all about it. Um, what are you up to today? <laughs> yeah. It's like, Oh shit. Um, but yeah, dude, I, I really appreciate, you know, aesthetic dojo. It seems like you're, you're really building it. They will come. So good on you. Um, I'd love to talk to your wife and you at some point, like, uh, I'll keep in touch and maybe try to pick your brain and be like, who are some monkeys I should talk to that, you know, cause I think Fantastic. you're, you get it. So thanks for giving this your time. Um, yeah, yeah, guys, team rabbit hole, find the others. They're out here. You just have to tune into yourself and then see what comes up on the television screen for your life and be surprised, get ready to be surprised. So Raphael, any parting thoughts? I'd like to thank you, David, for joining and sharing your obviously well-integrated wisdom. I like to keep quiet during those times and, you know, just listening to Jim go on and on and someone setting the record straight. So thank you very much. Thank you for the most amazing art. Although I was aware of your name, I had never really checked out your stuff. It's yeah, amazing. Everyone's got to check out your website and at the very least, Take a look and be inspired. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you guys both. It's been such an honor to be with you. So inspiring. Keep doing your good work. Thank you. And thank you, Jim. And also, thanks everyone for listening. Enjoy the ride. Enjoy yourselves. Know thyself. Thank you. Radio Okie.